Welcome to At The Table. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode three of At The Table. This episode is titled People and we have been journeying through the Christmas story but in a slightly different way. So we have all been reading through parts of the Christmas story and having a focus, something to go when we go into the readings to have things to be mindful of and to really draw from scripture. So as we've all been reading this time, we've all been focusing on people. So we may have different people, we may have same people. But speaking of people, the people I have with me today are no different to the people that I have with me every episode. But... (laughs) I've said people a lot of times now. People. So I have with me Lucy. Hiya. Joseph. Hello, Beth. Jonathan. Jonathan. Wow. That means I'm in trouble. What have I done? (laughs) Good day, mate. Hi. And of course, I'm Beth and we are excited. Oh, sorry. We're excited to have you back. If you're listening when it comes out live on Thursday... It's Christmas Eve! Happy Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas Eve, everybody. And if you're not listening then, it's not Christmas Eve. Happy New Year. Or Happy <laughs> Easter. Or what could you be Happy near? March the yeah. 13th. Happy, yeah, Happy Independence Day. I imagine or... if you're listening on March the 13th. So Maybe. whenever you're listening, but if you do listen to it live, Merry Christmas. So, are we all okay, guys? Had a good week so far? It's been okay. Doesn't feel like Christmas. No. no. Not at all. I would say it feels like late October. <laughs> I'm still back in uh, Easter. Yeah. Easter? Yeah. She's just got her Easter eggs out. <laughs> <laughs> Hot cross buns. Yeah. And there weren't any in the shop. <laughs> so confused. You left it too had, late. <laughs> they had tinsel, though. I was really confused. <laughs> it's starting way earlier now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people listening wouldn't have seen that incredible finger wag you just did yeah oh yeah and hunched over <laughs> yeah snicking <laughs> shoulders up fingers curled <laughs> so shall we get started yeah let's yes i'll get taken the mick out anymore anyone got any so people what people really grabbed your attention what people stood out to you well i think if you're going to talk about people you should start at Matthew 1, verses 1 to 17. Because that Ooh. is a whole long list of people. True. A long list of 17 names. 17 verses of people. Remind <laughs> me what it's saying. It's Ooh. a list of the descendants that led to Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's where it says, like, who was the son of this? Yeah, exactly. Who was the son of that? So it starts at Abraham. I'm not going to read them all. It's a whole lot of names. Can't pronounce 80% of them. Uh, and it ends with Joseph and then obviously Jesus. So that's a lot of people. Mm. That's kind of what we were talking about last time, um, about the importance of ancestry when Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem because that was Joseph's ancestral home, even though he'd never been there before. Mm. So the fact that there's, you know, 17 verses dedicated to listing Joseph's ancestry must be quite an important thing. Mm. Mm. Actually, um... Looking at what I've uh, noted down here, I also wrote about the genealogy of Jesus, um, but I found it in Luke um, chapter 3, verse 24. Uh-huh. And I f- 
I think it's essentially doing the same thing, but it struck me that I feel like one of the reasons for doing this, one of them is because in those times it was very important to show the heritage of a person and where they come from. All of that stuff was really important, Mm. the kind of history of a family. But also I feel like it reminds us that Jesus really was human and he really was the son of, of Mary and he had a grandfather and a great grandfather and he really was human. He wasn't just he wasn't solely the son of God and kind of arrived out of nowhere. But I contrasted that that he's also really God as well. I think the angels tell us that quite early on. So I think in Luke it tells us about the angels appearing and saying that this really was um the Son of God. And we also see it like we talked in the first episode of the series about prophecies, he's a fulfilling of the prophecies and they tell us that he's a, the son of God. And in Mark 1 verse 11, it says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So this is a little bit later in Jesus' life. He's leaving the water after he's been baptised by John the Baptist. Just as Jesus was coming up out the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So I just picked up that we're reminded in the Christmas story that he really was human, but we're reminded in the Christmas story and elsewhere that he's also really God. Again, we've talked about it quite a few times, haven't we, that we often think we're not worthy of things, but God, this genealogy reminds us of the worthiness than we are in receiving Christ's birth that it doesn't matter where we come from, what we do, the gift of the birth of Christ is always going to be available to us like it was available to all those people in the genealogy here. I went somewhere a bit different from my people. Of course um, you Iceland. Did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I went, I was, well, I was doing some research into it and uh, someone posted a video on Facebook and it was like a recent um, kind of, production slash portrayal of of mary and it was kind of sharing her like her journey in a modern way so it was showing her um kind of having to run away from when herod the great was basically put the order out didn't he to kill any child under the age of two and it was basically a like a modern portrayal of that and uh i'd highly recommend finding it what i might do is put the link on our social media's page but it was just really it really impacted me because i think we always forget about these people i don't know where it was in the bible i've completely forgotten where it was say so, yeah, and then we can might be able to help you well it's about about the herod puts the order out to kill the any child or any you know born son of that one it's matthew, it's matthew the escape to egypt so it says um it says the escape to egypt which is matthew 2 verse 13 when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. Then it skips and says, when Herod realised he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years and under in accordance with the time that he had learnt, the things he had learned from the Magi. So it really impacted me because I was like, these families we completely forget about in this Christmas story. Like I know this is the kind of aftermath of the Christmas story, 
but it just the video i mean i was sitting there i was watching it about 7 seven thirty in the morning and then i forwarded it on to joe and lucy and to show beth and i was just bawling at it because i was yeah it just really impacted me that you know these families you know we don't know their situation we don't know what they were going through apart from the fact that their their sons were being killed for the sake of jesus technically and this video yeah like i say i'd recommend watching it because it was it just really impacted me in my mindset as to kind of a particular mum's view when she was talking to mary so yeah that was kind of focusing on those people in the story when i was doing sort of like a look up i think it's fair for you to say though like in it it focuses on how this wo- the woman who has lost her son is in is in com- conversation with mary mm. And she accepts her loss and her grief because of who she believes Jesus to be. Yeah. And I think that's very, I think that's the most powerful thing, isn't it? Mm. In that, despite the trauma and, you know, and one of the things that I think impacted me while watching that video, I don't know about what you guys felt, but it was the guilt that Mary carried. You know, mm. she would know that all these boys were killed for her son. You know, that's not something we ever talk about, is it? You know, the fact that Mary carries this. Mm. And then she knows eventually, you know, that that her son, you know, may have to go through something similar. So she always carries this fear and this guilt with her. And that is tremendous. That's not something that's ever really... It's just kind of swept, isn't it? It's just kind yeah. of placed in it. It's why, you know, John, like, I had to search to find it because it's not something we really talk about a lot in terms of the story. And I think what... Yeah, it was, it was very moving. Yeah, and I think like the thing that impacted me was there's a line in it that the the mum says to Mary is what's he like? And Mary says he's a cheeky monkey basically, like he you know, he he's naughty and he's you know, and I thought he it shows like he's human and he's just a, a cheeky little boy. He would muck around and stuff because it's kind of set when he's about 10 and um yeah i just found that really impactful because i was like yeah w- wonder what jesus was like because again it's not mentioned in the bible really apart from a particular passage where he gets lot he stays in the temple and mary leaves him behind but you know there's not really much about his childhood and it's like yeah that's quite a funny thing like oh was he cheeky did he used to run away and kind of get in trouble did he used to kind of build stuff and play with things and muck around with his mates so I thought that was a really interesting thing to kind of focus on and kind of another aspect of the Christmas story where I was like oh yeah there's you know it's not just about Mary Joseph you know it was about other people that were expecting Jesus but they had to go through so much trauma to to receive Jesus into the world Um, which kind of yeah just blew my mind really yeah, it's a really like underrepresented part of the story, isn't it? Mm. We sort mm. of brush over it. Oh yeah, and then Herod killed a load of children, and then uh, the, the kings came. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just massively missed out. Um, some other people that I think are quite missed out of the story. We talked about them last week. Are Elizabeth and Zachariah? Mm. The version in Luke, the whole of Luke one basically is about Elizabeth and Zachariah. And I, if you'd have asked me before I'd done this research. I would never have told you that they were, like, part of the Christmas story. Yeah, I always forget that, really. Yeah, like, I know John the Baptist, not personally. Um, <laughs> nice guy. I was vaguely aware Don't. of this, uh, <laughs> of how he was conceived, but I would not have told you it was at the same time as Jesus. 
So we, we talked yeah. about this last week. So Gabriel appears to Zechariah six months before he appears to Mary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to me, Gabriel is a Christmas angel. You know, he's Jesus's angel. But no, he has a life outside of that. That wasn't <laughs> yeah. his first assignment. He's <laughs> not a one-trick pony. No, he's <laughs> so, at least yeah. a two-trick. <laughs> Yeah, and we talked about this quite a lot last week, so we don't need to go into that much detail. But, I mean, yeah, they're quite influential people who just get missed out. Because, as we mentioned, Mary goes straight to Elizabeth when she finds out she's pregnant, isn't she? In the first three months there, is that right? So, they're obviously, in their cousins, they're obviously important to each other that they would, that Mary would want to share this news with Elizabeth. Yeah, I've never, ever heard her mentioned in the carol service. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I love the Elizabeth and Zachariah bit, but I, without I don't want to having to repeat like anything that Lucy said and um, what I said last week. But they're they're the people who I really was mindful of a lot. But another person who um, kind of really struck me this time reading was the innkeeper. Oh, oh. I don't know about you, but when I I mean I went to a Church of England primary school, so we always did an nativity play, and they were and they were always religious. So I always feel like the innkeeper always had like quite a big role in the nativity like children's nativity he was like off he might have in the ones i played he was sometimes the narrator or he i feel like he often played quite a big part and even ones i've done at church i visibly remember the innkeeper being you talked about a lot or quite a big character but yet they're really not mentioned other than being an innkeeper other than saying they had no room in their inn although we learned last year that it wasn't really an inn like how we see it it was very different and so they stayed in the stables but it's not a stable like we imagined it it was more courtyard courtyard that mary gave birth in really just where the animals would have been left from the other people traveling so but i just got really thinking about this man or woman but most likely a man who was there at the birth of jesus but he missed it if that makes any sense Mm. Like, this really yeah, struck so, me. So near yet so far. Yeah, and how true is that of us? How, like, how many of us miss Christmas? We're so close to it, yet we miss it. Like, we get swap, we get lost in the presents and the, com- the commercialisation or the caroling or the church programme or the doing this and the doing that. Do we actually miss it? Is it right in front of us, but we miss it? And I was really struck by him and and that's what he symbolised, you know, being so close. He didn't, you know, go and get medical help as far as we're aware. He didn't, you know, offer to... He's not featured any in, you know, the next part of the story. They don't say that he was there, present at the birth. And Because I've always wondered, you know, obviously the gospel telling of the nativity story is later than when it actually happened. So a few details may have been omitted, but... You would have think if somebody's given birth in your courtyard, you'd at least go and visit them, maybe. And mm-hmm. but he's just not mentioned. He doesn't come and visit. It's almost like he really doesn't care about this family. And I just think if only you knew, mm. <laughs> if only you realised the savior of the world was born in your courtyard. Like it'd be like you're kicking yourself, wouldn't it? You miss this. It'd be like a blue plaque on the wall, wouldn't there, saying that uh, Jesus was born here, kind of thing, like they have in Faversham around all. Do you reckon? Mary and Joseph like name dropped a bit. Like, he's like, "There's no room at the inn," and they're like, "Son of God." And yeah. He's like, yeah, whatever. Get out of here. Yeah. You don't. Know. If I tried that along the journey as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who I am? Maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. 
But I agree with what you're saying, Beth. It's really interesting that he's this kind of famous character, but he doesn't do much in the way to help or really take part. But it's really interesting what you're saying about him being so close. I agree with what you're both saying, but here's an interesting point. The innkeeper is not in the Bible. He is a made-up character. Is he? Not in the Bible? Nope. We're told there is no room of the inn. We're not told the innkeeper said there is no room of the inn. Yeah, we just imagine there the must be. The innkeeper is, is made up for nativities as the placeholder for explaining that there is no room at the inn. Okay. So, your point still stands, Beth, that there were people nearby. Mm. There would have been people in the inn, obviously. People nearby, so near and yet so far, like you said. But I think it's also interesting, the way we picture these things, is <laughs> it's just gone wildly different from the original truth. Because mm. like you said, everybody knows the innkeeper. He's you know, a famous character. Everybody knows there's no room at the inn, but that's completely made up. Yeah. And isn't that isn't that just mad? That we have this story and it's just been translated so many times, so many times, that we've ended up with basically a completely different story. Mm. Like the um as you mentioned, I think we should go into this a bit more actually. The um the stable Okay, I guess this should have been in last week's episode. Sorry about that. We're going to have a, a quick places <laughs> interlude. We talked about this last Christmas in our personal devotion that we did together, didn't we? Mm. That the stable that we all picture is like what we picture as a horse's stable now. So, you know, open, wooden, hay on the floor, um, you know, completely separate to all the other buildings. But actually, when we did some more research, it was more likely that it was like an open courtyard surrounded by like four walls of a building Mm. and that courtyard is where they would have stored their animals because everybody had animals for food and transport so they basically just like camped down in the only bit of the building that they could get to which was this outdoor courtyard so our vision of a stable and you see it on christmas cards everywhere everybody's got like a nativity set that they put out at Christmas and it's all this traditional stable that we picture and it's completely fictional. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but isn't just it? Just because of translation, I think it's so important to, you know, try and get back to as much of the truth as we can. Mm. Because I think that's where it maybe can become fanciful and hard to believe when you are told that, you know, they went into this stable because there was no room at the inn and it all just sounds too make-believe. Well, it kind of is. Because that's not what happened. Mm. <laughs> and I like, you know, when you think about it, when we they're in this courtyard in this open, you know, open to the elements as well. Nobody in that inn that we know was probably full because there was they couldn't go into a room. Nobody offered them. You know, it was not like Mary would have been sat there silently. She would have been screaming through the pains of labour. Nobody offered them a room. Yeah. Like. Can you imagine today if there was, you know, there was a pregnant woman who, you know, was driving around, asked to go into a hotel, there wasn't any room, so gave birth in a car park and, you know, nobody offered their room to them. That would be a story about how heartless people were and all these things. You just think, why did nobody offer a room to this pregnant woman? You know, we have a society today that says, oh, you know, give them your seat on the bus or if somebody will, if someone's pregnant, you kind of make way for them and you give you give them exem- exemptions. But this didn't happen for Mary. She and Jesus, that he had to be born 
almost a non-thought. It was, mm. wasn't even worthy of a room. He was just a space. Joe, were there any people that really stood out to you? Yes, Beth. Um, I've actually written down that there was a bit of a theme with a lot of the people that I was looking at. I noticed we've talked about Herod. He was scared about the threat of this competitor to his leadership and his authority. And that's why he killed all these boys. There was a fear in Joseph when he found out that Mary was pregnant. And we see in the opening words of Luke that he's looking to divorce her because of the situation that she's in. He's scared. He's scared of what people might think, I think. Um, The shepherds are scared. We see that in Luke 2, verse 8. Um, It says they were terrified in the version of the Bible that I read. Mm. I just think it's interesting. There's a lot of fear about. But I contrasted that with Mary. And at first it says that she was troubled. So it says that in Luke 1, verse 29, by what she was hearing. But as she listens to the angel, she starts to not be so scared and she just gets on with it. She does ask how it could be possible, but once the angel's finished talking, she just decides to do what she has to do and kind of get on with it. So basically, she just hears the words of God through the angel, which say, do not be afraid, and that's enough for her. She just listens to God and carries Mm. on. I just thought it was really interesting that so many of the characters in the story, and to be fair, a lot of them are men, are scared, But Mary, who perhaps has the scariest thing of all, has to go through this um, pregnancy process and labour in the most horrible of conditions and she risks being divorced or having the engagement called off early and all those kind of things. She just kind of gets on with it and does what she needs to do. Isn't it interesting then, given how central Mary is to the story, that she is not very mentioned in some of the versions? So in Matthew's mm. account, it basically all focuses on Joseph, which I thought was interesting. So after all, you've got all the names, blah blah Then you've got the birth of Jesus. It's all about how he has the dream from the angel about Mary being pregnant. There's no mention of Mary being told by Gabriel. And then very brief mention of the birth. Nothing really about jo- about Mary. And then Matthew 2 is all about the Herod thing that we mentioned earlier. So, yeah, Matthew 2 is a lot about Herod, and then, so Joseph is told again by an angel in a dream to get up and take the child and his mother. Mm, I noticed that. And it mentions that three times in Matthew 2. It says, take the child and his mother, and I thought, you mean the son of God and the woman who birthed the son of God. Mm. You don't just mean, oh, the mother of the child. I just thought, that's such a horrible way to talk about her. When she's done all this, she's been through such an experience, she's been so faithful, and then she gets described as the mother. In relation just to thought, someone else. Yeah, she gets described as the baby's mother. And I just thought, how... <sighs> Isn't that just the way we see these things sometimes? Mm. And it's mm. so frustrating. People become a relation to somebody else, and... I mean, I'm not a mother, but I have heard other people talking about it and how they become, they don't feel like themselves anymore. They feel like they are their baby's mother. And Mm. so I think that's the thing that does happen in people's heads, but we need to not act upon that and see people as just their child's parent in either Mm. way. But it just so happens to be that 
this man is writing about another man and telling him <laughs> and describing that this man needed to take his baby and the baby's mother away to keep them mm. safe. And I just thought, oh, isn't that just the way it is? <laughs> yeah, I, want, I was wondering if it, you know, it's perhaps with Luke, if it's perhaps to do because he was a physician, he was used to dealing with pregnancy would have been... Yeah, so Luke was a physician, so he talked oh. about Mary because he he understood that like pregnancy and things that to him weren't so alien. Whereas to Matthew, the tax collector, would a bit he was just very disconnected from, in my, like in my opinion, like if you think about them as people, from what we know of Matthew, wasn't really engaged with any circles as a tax collector. He was quite despised. He's not known to have a partner because he gave up a lot and journey with Jesus. So. In my head, I, I assume Matthew to be very kind of straight-laced to the book, matter-of-fact, l- you know, less empathetic, which, you know, which suits with his thing. You know, he would see Joseph as the one who was important because he was the man and he could relate to that, whereas he couldn't that relate. That was the kind of tradition at the time as well, wasn't it? That the man was at the... Yeah, so it's all about Joseph, whereas Luke, who's a physician, would understand pregnancy... He d- depicts me. I mean, I, this is just my guess. This isn't obviously fact, but I guess a lot of it again goes back to what we discussed when we were looking at the Easter story about how it really matters about who, you know, the lens in which we talk about these parts of the story really matter. You know, if it's through the eyes of Matthew, we we get a totally different picture, don't we, than we do to Luke. And obviously Mark doesn't even mention it at all. So, you know, Mark's clearly not concerned with the birth of Jesus. To him, it's not significant the work and the ministry of jesus is where it starts and is important so again it just i think it's just a an interesting depiction and a way to understand the story how we can all look at it through different lenses and how all of us will see different aspects and that's partly why we've done this isn't it this story because we all see it differently we all find people and connect to things differently so thank you guys for a great chat it was nice to talk about this again and kind of journey deeper and um, thank you everyone for listening and um, we hope you have found some people in this passage that you have thought about differently or you've discovered a new person that perhaps you didn't really think about too much before and if you want to share that with us as always we'd love to hear your comments or feedback on social media on instagram or facebook share that with us but we have one more episode in our christmas mini series and that is present so tune in next week for our next episode which is the final episode in our series focusing on the present of christmas and so it's goodbye from me beth and goodbye from joe bye everyone lucy bye and john see you later bye everyone have a lovely christmas bye bye joe's waving if you you can't see (laughs) you can't see I like that you said if, Beth, if you can't see. Yes, yeah, so Joe is waving, you cannot see. <laughs> I am waving. <laughs>